Thank you for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. They say that every dog has its day, and in the case of Showgirls, director Paul Verhoeven's critically reviled NC-17 Fleshfest, that day appears to be now, thanks to a legion of fans who have embraced it as an underappreciated classic, and the new documentary that explores the rethinking that has taken place around the film since its initial dismal release back in 1995. The documentary is called You Don't Know Me, its director is Jeffrey McHale, and it's available on all digital platforms starting June 9th. We were able to speak with Jeffrey about his film last week. You either get it or you don't. Without further ado, I give you Showgirls! Am I just going to watch this movie until I die? Absolutely no one under the age of 17 is allowed. I don't think they have an attractive star. They don't do anything original in the screenplay. I didn't care for the film. Lousy movie. Really lousy acting. It was a disaster. It's kind of raunchy. Very, very bad. Let me guess. Worst movie? Showgirls. Showgirls. You got it. <laughs> Good guess. Welcome to Vegas. I just got here. Okay, yes, it's a failed movie. Where are you from? But it adds up to something. Different places. A type of comedy I don't think you can make on purpose, which makes it very rare and valuable. I hadn't seen something so perfectly bad in years. It was done. Civilization had done its job. Showgirls is also signaling to fans of Paul Verhoeven that it's like his other films. People are much more inclined to think that it's nearly criminal to portray sex. Sexuality is part of our life, and we should not be afraid of it. Oh, I used to love Doggy Chow. I used to love Doggy Chow, too. You can't believe they're trying to sell us this. You never know what's going to become a cult film. For those of us that get it, it can become our religion. This is a role that does not come around that often. It's weird having that protagonist as a character that's so cathartic. I'm Nomi Malone. Nice dress. Thanks, super safe. And the worst picture of the decade is Showgirl! I want to watch this thing over and over and over again. I think we're still talking about Showgirls because we're not done with it. The film that gets reclaimed as a stealth masterpiece. You know, when I discovered it, it was it was pretty late, and so it had already been out for ten years, and so it had already kind of come become you know a queer cult classic, and so I, I knew that there was this kind of fan base with it, but I, I you know I just never it never occurred to me to kind of sit down and watch it, and I feel like you know it the way that we see showgirls is you know a friend sits us down and says you have to see this and that's exactly what what happened on, on my end and you know it was just one of those things that my mind was completely blown i, I it was like nothing i'd ever seen before and and i think still it, it, you know there hasn't been a movie made like it ever since and so um i mean just the ways in which um just how bizarre and insane and over the top and it it's it, it just it's just so unique and i think it, it it's one of those films that you know, we're drawn to in this strange way, and um, it's it's hard to explain. And that was kind of what I initially set out to do, was just kind of get a better understanding of my own fascination with it and why it's it's you know kind of connected with me over the years. And that's when I started to 
reach out and or you know start reading and consuming everything that had been written about it and you know I, I just loved reading all these kind of fascinating uh, points of view about the film the the impact of the film these personal relationships with the film the people that have kind of shaped the conversation about it for the last 25 years and so I started to reach out to them and and I thought okay like maybe there's there's something here there worth you know worth exploring it, it seemed like kind of like the perfect perfect opportunity you know my I'm a television editor by by trade and so you know it seemed like the perfect type of of project that I could kind of tackle in my free time um you know what fascinates me most about this whole phenomenon of kind of rethinking films that were critically and culturally lambasted at the time of their release and then later drew some appreciation it is the 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 connections between director intent uh, mm-hmm. at the time the movie was made, but then when the movie is released and it belongs to us, how we view it through the prism of our own experience and how those two things mm-hmm. can, can differ. So I wanted to start with director intent. Uh, Verhoeven, clearly he's a provocateur. Um, mm-hmm. And when you watch the film, you th- you think to yourself, what was he thinking? And correct me if I'm wrong, but... I don't I don't have a great handle on what exactly he was thinking because it seems like his story has changed over the years. Yeah, and, and that's why I you know I, I wanted to look at you know I, I thought I found it fascinating like to to go over his his book of essays because that was kind of what I what I saw and, and others as like his closest uh, account of what 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 was in his mind and what was going through his head and. Then looking at like the press interviews that he he gave um, around the time and him with Joe Esterhouse too, and you know it was fascinating to kind of hear them them talk about it. And it's still hard. There, there's it's it's hard not to watch the film and feel like there is some sort of disconnect, you know. And um, and I think that what that's what makes it's it's so appealing and and kind of the allure of Showgirls is kind of like trying to figure out what you know, what everyone was thinking and what their intent was. And I think that this is a perfect example of a film where that ha- there's, it, it, it feels like it's almost impossible to, to kind of to pinpoint. And that was one of the, once I kind of stepped away from like, Oh, okay, well, it's, it, we're, we're not going to figure out like what the intent was, but, you know, by kind of talking about how it, the film has lived and how we connect to it and the ways in which we, you know, we, we are drawn to it. That's, that's, that's where, you know, that's where the story is. Yeah. But it's clearly the, the, clearly the movie he set out to make. I mean, he, he's a very good director and he orchestrated it to, to play at that pitch. I mean, nothing was kind of oh, yeah. a- accidental. Completely. Completely. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, no, no. I don't think anything in there was accidental. I think probably what was maybe accidental would be maybe the way the 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 the, the way people responded to it and and how the things that they were drawn to and why you know. So I I, I think that he's um, he's even said to this day you know he thinks it's his most elegant film. He you know he's still you know he thinks the film's beautiful and you know he speak fondly about it and and you know it has kind of you know wavered a little bit on on what he you know what his intent was or what he was going for and that you know it was refreshing to see him kind of take 
uh, responsibility and own up to, you know, the, the, his direction and, you know, specifically Elizabeth's performance. Um, and, and yeah, so, yeah, I don't think any of that is, anything is accidental. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart, he's a smart filmmaker and even, and you, as you elucidate in your film, something like RoboCop, he, uh, I mean, that was clearly a big, a big budget Hollywood shoot 'em up action movie. And yet he used that genre to, to kind of address a subtext about, uh, mm-hmm. well, a variety of things from police state to the, the notion of violence in movies. And, um, mm-hmm. so if there is subtext in showgirls, which is what your film is really about, the subtext that people see in it, could you give me, um, just to give our audience a sense of your film, uh, a, a couple of or one or two readings of the film. What what are people seeing in the subtext of Showgirls that isn't obvious to the rest of us? People, I, I, I think they. Um, well, I mean, Adam Neiman has written you know very in depth about uh, about you know um, Verhoeven and his intent and what what he's doing as a filmmaker and you know he he has a great thread in his books and in, you know, the documentary about, you know, Verhoeven's use of mirrors and, and the kind of repetition uh, of scenes and, and kind of these, the structure of the film, it has mirrored each other. And here you have um, Nomi and Crystal mirroring each other. And, and you know, there is this, this, um, this, you know, the, of what we, we see, uh, you know, Verhoeven even said in his book, you know, like he, he, his intent is to hold a mirror up into society and, and to show American society, you know, a, a, a version of themselves, however ugly it may be. And so I think that's kind of like one of the, one of the main threads that you can kind of see kind of running throughout, throughout the film. Yeah. Um, and the fascinating one too, you know, cause it's, you can see it visually, you can see it, you know, you can see it in the structure. So, I mean, once, once you, kind of start looking for things like that um you know i mean he's holding a a mirror up to american society yeah and the uh what was particularly interesting to me in your film is there there's a reading on it from a young lady who who suffered sexual assault and Mm -hmm. and she finds empowerment through the nomi character uh and through that journey um and Mm -hmm. that that's just one example but in terms Mm -hmm. of uh, the the gay culture Th- through your exploration of this film, what have you found people see in it uh, in in that community? Well, it's yeah. I mean, as a as a member of that community, I mean, I, I the, the biggest thing is it when films like this um, is just one of the ways that we connect with each other, and you know, we kind of through midnight screenings and and you know, kind of celebrations of the, of the film. I think it's it's you know, it, it's just one of a very long uh, list of, of culture, film, music, of, of just the ways that the community connects with each other. And then, um, and specifically too, you know, if looking at Nomi herself as a character, I was, um, I never saw it this way until, you know, one of my contributors, um, I found a video that he made and he, you know, asked him to be a part of the film. But, you know, specifically, Nomi's journey aligns very closely with some, you know, some gay people's experiences, you know, it's like someone sets out to, you know, follow their dreams, leaves their, you know, their small town behind, moves to a big city, um, you know, uses various ways, can use, you know, sexuality to make connections, to to get ahead, uh, to just, you know, 
explore their, you know, explore that side of themselves. And, and that was, you know, a very interesting kind of point of view on like a, a deeper level, a way that, you know, we're drawn to the film, which, you know, I, I think that most people might not um, see right away, you know? Yeah. There's also uh, the kind of the subplot in the film of what became of Elizabeth Berkeley due to the dismissal mm-hmm. of this movie. And it just seems particularly mm-hmm. cruel that uh, I mean, this young actress gets a gets a lead role in a in a major studio film, and uh, she she she's haunted by it for the rest of her career. But there seems mm-hmm. to be th- this outside community that has embraced Showgirls. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. that that the makers of Showgirls feel some sense of redemption from that reception? I would think, yeah. I mean, I, I guess uh, you know. I, Paul and, and, you know, even Elizabeth, you know, have given inter- interviews over the years. And, you know, they, I think they're very happy that it has this following and they, they would much rather it be discussed and, and, and you know, celebrated and talked about and, and watched than, you know, than just to what they said, have said, like die on a video shelf somewhere. So I think that they, you know, appreciate that. And I know that, you know, just, you know, the comments and, and things from the last few years just, they they embrace that and, and I was actually at that um, that screening in Los Angeles that featured at the end of the film. Um, I was one of those four thousand people. I was all the way in the back. But when when you know when she stepped out, it, I mean none of us had expected that to, to happen. And just to feel like you were there for you know a moment of of film history was was beautiful. And then just to hear her speak about this was the this tonight would have been the first night that she experienced that film with a crowd of people that embraced it. And that mm. like really stuck with me. And, um, and it was a beautiful moment. And um, yeah, I, 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 it was great to see, you know, finally have that full circle moment for her. And then, you know, for the fans too, with the film yeah. to see her there kind of, kind of owning it. And it was just, it, it, was, it was, yeah, it was great. It had to have been a moving night. Yeah. There's a, there's another film that's similar in style and, and ambition to this one, which is room 237. Uh, and I remember years ago we had the makers of room 237 on the show before they started production. And we got them in touch with a couple of people that were actually in their movie. Um, and so it's, 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 a it's an ambition that I, I empathize with. I think it's important to kind of reevaluate these movies through the prism of other people's experiences. But can you think of another film that, I mean, since something like The Shining or Showgirls that that fits that same purpose? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I don't know. I can't think. I mean, the thing. I mean, I you know, Room Two Three Seven was definitely one of the one of the inspirations uh, for this. I had coffee uh, with Rodney kind of after I completed my interviews um, and then kind of before I started editing just to kind of see if he could kind of give me any, 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 any advice or, you know, kind of how to kind of approach this. And, um, and so, I mean, he's been great, but I can't really think, I mean, the thing that I loved about the, the, that movie, there's room two, three, seven, it was, you know, it took, took all these, you know, obviously it's a film that um, unquestionably is, is seen as a masterpiece, but I, so I, I thought that taking that, format and applying it to something like showgirls where there still is this kind of ongoing debate about its its merits and um 
So I, that, I found that to be really interesting. But I can't think of like another. I mean, at least for me personally, I, there isn't another film that I would want to kind of approach in the same way, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, there are films that have followings, I think. I mean, like The Room comes to mind. Um, right. But, uh, and, there, and there have obviously been, you know, books written about that and um, obviously Disaster Artist. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's these, these films kind of take on their own uh, their own uh, their own life a- after the fact. And I, and I think that um, it's just kind of interesting to see which ones which ones we still talk about years yeah. and years later, and how and how um, and how we connect to them, and and yeah, to kind of shift. Do, do you do you think that we're still going to be talking about Showgirls in another twenty five years, and and do you think we'll be talking about it in a in a different way? I, yeah, I mean, I can't predict what what way we'll be talking about it, but yeah, I definitely think it's one of those films that. Uh, that we're not like, like my contributor Haley Melodic said, you know, like we're, we're still talking about it because we're not done with it. And so mm-hmm. I, I think the, the minute we figure it out or the minute we, we think we figured it out, or I think that you, you know, society decides upon like, okay, well, this is good, this is bad, or that, you know, just kind of uh, classifying it. then that's when, you know, I think kind of the conversations and the discussions stop. But yeah. I think the reason we're, where we are still talking about it is because, you know, we haven't figured it out, and it means very different things to many, many different people. 